Hello everyone and welcome to One More Prime, the Transformers Watch Along. I am Mike Schwartz, who didn't sign up for no history lesson during his giant robot cartoon. Dad, this episode is not historically accurate. Oh? No dragons? No. Time travel? No. Okay. I'm joined by my kids, Emmett and Elsa. I... <laughs> there is time travel? <laughs> I'm joined by my kids, Emmett and Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> there is time travel? Yeah, we're going forward. In the, yeah. We're going forward. I'm joined by my kids, Emmett and Elsa. Hello. Hi. Who now have a pretty good idea how to produce gunpowder. Is that why you're collecting bird poop in the backyard? We are watching A Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court, episode 22 of season 2. This week's guest is Heather Paul. Heather is a producer and story artist who has worked on animated series such as She-Ra, the new one on Netflix, DuckTales, the new one, Big Hero 6, the series, and The Ghost and Molly McGee. Her latest work is as a storyboard revisionist for the upcoming Transformers show, Transformers EarthSpark, which is set to premiere this November on Paramount+. Plus. This is where I put out a call to any and all animators. We kind of lucked out to have Heather on such a singular Transformers episode, what with all the horses and one-off background paintings, so she provided a great perspective. We are always looking for great perspective. One point, two point, not three point. That's quite difficult. Anyway, if you work in the animation industry and listen to our podcast while you work, it can happen. We'd love to have you on the show. Written by Douglas Booth and airing on October 24th, 1985, this is a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court. But King Arthur's not in the episode. Alright, everybody, we are here with Heather Paul. Heather, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this episode. So you are the, the first person we've had uh, that is actually um, working on a Transformers show. And I know you can't talk about it, but you're working on the new Nickelodeon show? Yes, uh, Transformers EarthSpark. Coming out later this year, I think. I don't remember the date. <laughs> And, and you're working on it as uh, a storyboard revisionist? Yes. Uh, first job as an artist on any animation show. I've been in animation for um, five years now, five or six years. Uh, and I finally made the switch over to storyboard revisionist, which is the um, first level, as it were, on the storyboard track. Basically what happens is the script writers have finished their scripts, then it goes to storyboards. So the storyboard artists have like four to eight weeks. I think it's, it's usually six, um, six weeks to kind of storyboard out the episode and everything. And then after that, it goes to editorial to kind of cut together all the storyboards into what's known as an animatic. So it's just a mm -hmm. very rough version of, of the animation episode. And that's where I kind of come in a lot is the director will need new poses like if a character is now supposed to be frowning instead of like smiling um because the line read is different from from like the scratch audio um i jump in and i do a lot of that um or if like a whole sequence just isn't working or it needed to be redone because it helps with the because it helps with the storytelling um that's mm -hmm. when i kind of jump in to help help just create a whole new sequence uh with the director's assistance of course but um so it's a lot of like the back 
kind of half work cleanup stuff um, to help really polish up an episode and make it mwah, just right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause when you, when we traditionally think about storyboards, we think of, you know, like actual just kind of still drawings with, you know, maybe like an arrow showing where the character moves and stuff like that. But now is kind of most shows, the storyboards are more or less like a, a really rough version of the cartoon. Like it has audio and uh, mm-hmm. motion and in, in the figures and everything. Yes. <laughs> Uh, kind of like it, especially as we have kind of shipped out animation to a lot of outside studios, um, mm-hmm. we've needed to provide more and more information for them so that they can animate the best way that they can. So it's a lot of um, the animatic basically has the audio, the like rough timing of everything. So they know how long the scene is supposed to be um, rough acting, like in some some studios yeah. need more acting and some need less. It just depends on like if there's a language barrier or like mm. the quality of work that they do. So it's, it's very dynamic is a very dynamic process. Um, like we are editing up to the very end of ship date frequently, like, okay, this is the lock. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun <laughs> to see just how an episode really gets hammered out and, becomes the show that it is and it um i've worked in post-production on shows too so even even after it comes back from animation there's there's so much that goes on into making it the episode that airs so i i would guess it's also needed for shows like this because because earthspark is uh, uh 3d correct mm-hmm. cg yeah i would just think that maybe since you know, the, the camera can move around and there's more kind of dynamic cinematography that can be achieved. I, I, I kind of think that a lot of stuff needs to be planned before <laughs> people start actually animating shots. Yeah, I mean, even in even in 2D productions, there still is a lot of planning that goes on ahead mm-hmm. of time. Um, I will say that the CG does help with the dynamics of everything. Like you can just, you can get crazy cool shots and really um really futz around with like fun camera moves that you can't quite do in 2d because you're kind of limited to a 2d space um Mm -hmm. like they tried to do it in this episode of transformers uh with like moving backgrounds Mm, and animating backgrounds which will work but if you're trying to do that for every single action shot in 2d that's a lot of work whereas with cg it's all done in the like it's all done in a computer digital space and it's a lot easier so yeah it's very it's been a very dynamic show and i'm very like so blessed to be working on it um for a first time show because i've learned so much it's it's been a a treat what shows did you work on previous in, in your other position yeah um so I started as an intern on The Adventures of Puss in Boots, which was the DreamWorks TV show that went to Netflix. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then I moved on to She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, um, mm. which is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Once that, sh- and I was there from like the very beginning of the ep- of like the whole production pipeline to basically when we shipped the last episode. So when that series wrapped, I moved on to DuckTales, which is where I met my director for um this show he knew that i had been looking to move over into art so he pulled me over um, oh wow 
but before that, <laughs> uh, I went to work on Big Hero 6, the series, uh, in post-production. So I got to see the back half of everything, mm-hmm. um, which was also super enlightening and a lot of fun. And then most recently, I was working on uh, The Ghost and Molly McGee. So it's it's been a trip. <laughs> and one of my favorite things is that I keep working on 80s reboots so right yeah <laughs> i also thought of that too like wh- when you come on a project when when you're on a transformer show do they do they have like a like a sizzle reel or like a style guide to, to someone not saying you but like if, if someone who is not familiar with transformers or like all all the, the lore or the characters do they have something to give to whoever's working on the show to like here's what the show's about um it it's it's oh it's very interesting that you would mention that because like for for every show there is a style guide like when I got onto DuckTales and was digging around the server looking at artwork and stuff um, mm-hmm. uh, it's like they usually give the artists a, a style guide to be like hey this is how this show is being done these are the kinds of um, shots that we want in a show this is um, the vibe that we're going for so every show has its own style guide but when it comes to lore. Not so much. Like I got dropped into this Transformers show and with <laughs> zero knowledge of Transformers. And I'm like, who, who are we talking about? Which robot is this? I don't know anymore. There's so many. <laughs> yeah, it's also tough with Transformers because every show is is pretty much a different universe mm-hmm. allow me to explain no we don't have a- <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i don't think we're gonna have time to- <laughs> just let me add on to that one thought dad yes. in japan it's all the same continuity that's true yeah the, all the japanese shows have maintained and even like the comics and stuff right um, kind of like every i think, I think pretty so. much every iteration of transformers in japan they say is part of the same universe whereas you know, over here, there's maybe like they get maybe two series that connect sometimes and then uh, usually they start over at most three. Yeah, right. Transformers is not uh, the exact property you want if you want a, a streamlined continuity, because even with the comics, <laughs> like, well, is it is it the uh, the Marvel comics or the Marvel UK comics or even the IDW stuff going on right now? They've restarted three times oh and, yeah and then they're losing the license and then whoever picks that up again i'm sure they'll start over from scratch <laughs> reboots all around but it provides <laughs> a good opportunity to come up with something new and something something fresh like it's it's that's mm-hmm. a cool thing i think about transformers is that there's always of course there's tradition and there's you know the certain things you gotta have but i i think it's it's such a a broad brush that you you could come up with new things or you can even have an episode like this where they go back to uh 6th century britain <laughs> um before we start the episode could i just say a little quick thing about animation go right all ahead. i know about it <laughs> mm-hmm. so when the animation update for appropriate came out uh dad was trying to teach me how to do it i don't know if you remember this but i remember it (laughs) um and he said something like imagine bugs bunny and take all the major frames of him doing things like standing pulling out a carrot biting it and then continuing to eat it and then animate 
the little frames going into making him do those actions. And when I tried to animate, I didn't do that. I just, <laughs> that's why my animation <laughs> looks so bad <laughs> because I didn't take them frame by frame. You didn't take them keyframe and then. Oh, wow. Yeah, you went to straight ahead animation. Yeah, and then I looked back like, these are very bad. <laughs> hmm. It just takes practice. Like, there's there's yeah. stuff I'm still learning about storyboarding, because storyboarding is essentially doing the keyframes. Um, mm -hmm. And right now, there is a huge... There are some very popular and extremely talented artists who essentially animate their work, but because it is so beautiful and people want to emulate that but it's very extremely hard to do that and do it very well so the the key takeaway is if you are storyboarding or animating just do your keyframes that's all you really mm -hmm. need anything mm -hmm. extra is just extra <laughs> <laughs> well amphibia and owl house go really extra sometimes mm-hmm mm -hmm. yes mm-hmm I knew they would try to derail the episode and talk about uh, Owl House and Amphibia. But you know who else finds their way into the past this time? Starscream and the uh, other Decepticons. Yes, thank you for the transition, Same Emmett. Way. Yes, let's start You're talking. Welcome. Let's start talking about a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court, one written by best, one of the best episodes. <laughs> in a mouthful of a title. It is yeah. well. It's it's based on the old Mark Twain story. A, a knight in King Arthur's Court? Uh, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. I was wrong. <laughs> Still a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> that's literally my first note, too. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> it is. So we begin uh, with no explanation at a Stonehenge-type structure um, with a big dome in it. And we will learn later uh, what what the dome is meant to contain. But uh, yeah, we just start off right away, the Decepticons, and it's, in, it's a small group uh, on both factions this time. Uh, we don't even have Optimus Prime in this episode. I looked it up and said this is the one, only one of four pre-movie episodes that Optimus Prime does not appear in. Um, the Decepticons, Starscream, Ramjet, Rumble, and Ravage. So even... Uh, Soundwave's not around. We have two cassettes and no Soundwave. Oh no! I think they're independent because they're small, but really useful. Really useful for mauling the human spike. Uh, yeah, I think, especially having Rumble in here, where he's more human proportions. I think that kind of saved yeah. uh, some uh, some animation headaches. Hey, wait a minute! <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of angry at Spike, but we'll. I'll get to that once. We get to that point. Oh, yeah. But yeah. first, we see this really cool filter on this portion of the episode. Yeah, it's kind of smoky. Yeah. That's England for you. One of the notes I had was how awesome the effects are in this show. Um, like, started starting with, like, the smoke and, like, the, I think it's kind of foggy. Um, it is. Stuff. Yeah. Don't get me started on the non-photosensitive viewer effects oh yeah, we'll yeah that one was bad <laughs> yeah was rough. yeah so the the decepticons are being pursued by warpath one of my favorite guys i <laughs> he was introduced in season two and every single line of dialogue is bam zowie kablam 
Wham bang. <laughs> Fearing Warpath, uh, the Decepticons run into this weird ancient structure, which is kind of this weird combination of architectural styles. Yeah, like the outside looks like Stonehenge and the inside is kind of like Roman columns and then there's sort of like this kind of runes on the stone. So he's just going to pass up how Warpath just destroyed I Oh yeah, he did blast down. Monument. Yeah, he did blast <laughs> it down. Yeah. I don't care about history. Kablam! <laughs> Again, cool effects though with all those rocks tumbling down. Yes. And then yeah. uh, Starscream just starts pushing all the, the, the symbols on the stone. And uh, yeah, again, uh, sorry, photosensitive viewers. It just starts flashing endlessly. Like seizure warning. Those probably weren't around. Weird nope. that Hasbro Pulse doesn't give those, give those warnings like Disney sometimes does to, sen to sensitive... You know, that's Humor. a good point, Elsa, because, yeah, we're watching this on, on YouTube on the Hasbro Pulse channel. And, and yeah, they, it's just the episode. They don't even put any warnings on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Cause, Which I know for some episodes, they definitely should. Not mm -hmm. just for photosensitive, but for other reasons as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny. Um, in segue or tangent, I guess. In sure. post-production on Big Hero 6, one of the processes that we have to do is submit the episode through literally like a, a, a filter, basically, where it will go through the episode and flag if it sees any scenes that are dangerous, like that could be seizure-inducing or um, oh. like cause those kinds of things. And there were definitely a couple episodes where we were like, there's a lot of flashing colors here. You got to you got to adjust it. So it's like then our technical directors would go through and and just adjust the levels enough. So then it would so that it would work um, and everything. But yeah, in today's animation <laughs> pipelines, uh, there should at least at, at Disney, they had it. Um, but they should have a something that flags when scenes are problematic like that. Sure. I, I remember reading about uh, Batman, the animated series. And their issue is kind of the opposite. They they got back from I don't know, standards and practices, or it, it it wasn't content. It was that the the episodes were physically too dark for broadcast <laughs> standards. Oh, that sounds like the Mandalorian. You can't see anything. You have to put, turn up your brightness to to the max. You can't see anything. Ch true. Right. But yeah, with with Batman, because they, you know, they would paint or all their backgrounds would start with a black piece of paper mm -hmm. instead of a white piece of paper. So they were they were it was super uh, physically dark episodes. And I guess I, I, I don't even think the production knew at the time that there's actually like a certain amount of brightness you have to have on, on the TV signal to actually like broadcast properly. And they were they were violating those Ooh. rules that probably no one even had to think about until they started that show <laughs> i know usually usually it's the opposite where it's like this is too bright please lower the, the brightness of it i think there was even there i can't remember what it was but i thought i had heard that you can't even use like pure white on animation shows like it has to be just a a touch or two down because just like oh. pure white on backgrounds is too bright 
for for TV screens and animation viewers and stuff. So I can't remember where I heard that. I I think it might have been on Shira, but okay, that was definitely a that was a interesting thing to learn one time. Well, yeah, because their costume is mostly white, but probably looking at it now, it's probably like a little bit of like two percent gray. Just, yeah, just the the teeny tiniest little fraction mm-hmm. off of pure white. Well, we get a lot of frames of pure white as the <laughs> uh, the 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 runes glow. And the Decepticons seem to be transported. Well, the, the portal is open, so they walk out. It's not uh, covered in rocks anymore. Look, it's England before the clouds. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a nice day. <laughs> I, I I like the shot where they're just they're they're just marching up this hill, like on the cliff. Really nice paintings, but they're being spied on by a um. A, a fair maiden i mean i guess it's <laughs> she seems like a princess but i don't know i forget her name oh, it's well, even weirder to spell we will get to that so she's spying on these um uh, giant armored knights she says giant armored knights from the dragon mound the what it took it took me a, a, another viewing to realize that they kind of set up what happens at the very end she calls it the dragon mound and then the, the Decepticons are attacked by two knights. Well, they try to be. And then... Supposed Autobots. And then Starscream <laughs> just smacks them. Starscream <laughs> shoves a horse and Ramjet headbutts a horse. Ramjet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Might I mention that, like I said previously, he does say, like, I'm going to ram him or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then when he bonks into something, it's like, I need my head changed again. You need your head changed? <laughs> yeah, I how, like... How often is it bent? Just flying into windows and stuff. Is it just the cone on top of his head, or is it his whole head? <laughs> I don't know. No. Oh, what does he look like, bald? Or is he? Or is it just like, that's his actual head shape? He's okay, moving on. I don't want to picture that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think is without it, the cone, it would look very awkward. He just is, would... Is the cone a hat, hair, or is that just his head shape? Well, I'm in uh, Transformers Animated. They were. It's a hat. They give a Starscream clone a helmet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Starscream clones a bunch of himself, and then he gives each one a um, a different kind of helmet, and one of well, them looks like Ramjet. Swindle does that. Sure. Because they're all technically clones of him. No spoilers. So Ramjet's a. Oh, sorry. So Ramjet's a reused design then? Yes. Okay. Technically. Yeah, Ramjet is part of three Decepticon jets introduced in season two. Which uh, us fans okay. call the Coneheads. Yeah, they're called the Coneheads. Uh, Thrust, Dirge, and Ramjet. Gotcha. Because in season one, there was Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker. And they're still around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the, yeah, the toy line... Uh, they they just kind of recolored those toys and made three new characters. And then, what was it like? The animators got a production, like a, a photo of the toy with the cone mistransformed. Yes, because the original Starscream, the front of the jet became the head, and the nose cone was flipped back. They oh. accidentally got this uh, flipped up version and. That's what stuck. 
But it's a good way to differentiate. Yeah, it's a good way to differentiate the new Jets from the old Jets. Mm -hmm. I would agree. But Starscream discovers that these guys on the horses that they just showed are not robots, but they are humans. In fact, uh, Sir Wygant of Blackthorn. What? (laughs) (laughs) And he tells them that they are from, uh, they're in the year 543. Uh, I love that they came in on horses. um, Mm -hmm. Just because, uh, as you may have seen on Twitter, and like animation Twitter, horses are everyone's least favorite thing to draw. Not mine. Yes. I love horses. I hate drawing. <laughs> I I love meeting horses. I hate drawing them. Yeah, I've heard you either love or hate drawing them. Also, I've, I also heard uh, uh, bicycles. Yes, bicycles are rough because, in addition, like I think it's just because there's so many legs moving and in ways that are not just running or walking so it's you just need, you need the wheels mm-hmm. you need the spokes inside the wheels you need the chain you need the pedals and you need the person on top of it which is basically walking mm-hmm. yeah but definitely seeing the scene where these where the humans are introduced and the knights are introduced and the fact that they got horses running i props to them good job yeah. team. only to be pushed over and headbutted <laughs> So uh, the the uh, the maiden notices and she starts to run away and uh, she steps on a twig, which alerts them. It alerts Ravage. Why does that happen so many times? I know there's so many twigs when people run away in movies and TV shows. (laughs) So she runs into kind of a, a briar patch and. Ravage is pursuing her and she runs into Spike. And while I was watching this, I was just like, wait, what? 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 I was fooled too. <laughs> I forgot about this episode, even though it's one of my favorites. I'm just like, wait, why are you here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no, there's no sign of him because we see Warpath and Hoist. Um, Hoist is helping to move all the boulders. I'm glad but, it but wasn't no immediately after. Spike's just like, oh hi, and then instantly <laughs> falls in love, even though he kind of already has a girlfriend. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. And Warpath just just blasts through the mound. Oh, and then yeah, and then she starts running away, not not scared of these two giant transforming robots, but she says, you know, we must get away before the dragon returns. And they're like, oh, she must mean Starscream, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? I mean, total. Like, I would also have assumed that too, because first watch through, it was like. Definitely, definitely Starscream, for sure. Yeah. But if I was there, I'm sometimes gullible, so I'd be like, dragon, where? Wait, take me to it. I like, wait, take me to it. I like dragons. And, and if I get it'll be an honor. Right. I, I read Wings of Fire. I know how this works. I, I feel like her comment about the dragon was probably, like, I probably missed it the first time just because i was too shocked about spike just randomly showing up i was like yes. where'd you come from just <laughs> took me a second to process that and by that time i think she'd already mentioned the dragon again and it was like okay i mm-hmm. missed that now her name is 
don't turn on the subtitles when watching this because every time they say her name, it's something different. Uh, and, and even she says her name is Nimely, but according to the according to uh, TF Wiki, it's it's Nimaway, which is the Lady of the Lake from the Aetherian Legends. So um, I get what they're going for, but I, I, they mispronounce her name every single time. Nimoy, Nimoy. Well, in, in the subtitles, it's like Nimoy and yeah, lots of Nimalies. Yeah, but, lots of Nimalies. I, t- I wrote down Nimaly and then, yeah, same thing. That's not mm. what's in the wiki. <laughs> right, right. And then we go back to a castle and we meet um, oh, another name. Aethling the Red? Who has a uh, deceptive voice. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a Hulk Hogan looking guy. Oh my goodness. As it, now that you mention it, you're right. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> but his voice though. Yeah. <laughs> so high pitched. Right. It, it's funny because I have yet to see a King Arthur in this show so far and yet that's what the <gasps> title of the name is called wait a minute oh no <laughs> you're not I just... king arthur <laughs> no no there's nothing it, it, the only only reference no. is how she says how uh fashion is a year behind in, in out in the country compared to camelot <laughs> i know and so we're not camelot. even at camelot <laughs> No, no, this is... <laughs> They're in the countryside outside of Camelot. What's going right. on? <laughs> Where's King Arthur? What'd you do to him? I bet Douglas Booth was like, all right, all right, geez, the title was just a reference. Yeah. <laughs> Read a book, people. But seriously, if you're referencing one thing, I would like it to to connect to the story, please. Well, no, because th- this whole thing is, as he says, it's over cows. It's a family dispute where... um. Like a fence was broken and cows went into their property and he claims that they stole it, stole the cows. And so they're going to settle things with a a jousting tournament of which. I mean, mean, that's kind of court. Yeah. So uh, Spike agrees to be uh, Nimue's champion. And at first he puts on a suit of armor that he can't fit in. So he just he just flops over. Can we just agree how cursed his face is just shining through armor <laughs> well this is not a good episode for spike like the the episode before this he was he was firing like autobot guns and traveling to cybertron with like, his actual girlfriend <laughs> yeah right yeah he does he does have a girlfriend spike. he's heather spike is about 15 years old according to the mm-hmm. show and his girlfriend carly who we've seen a few times she's an mit graduate with a car he has a diary and works on an oil rig with <laughs> weird child labor laws, maybe. Spike lives an interesting life. But in this episode, he he's kind of um he kind of plays the fool. He's he doesn't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wonder, I'd be curious to know, because just because I'm very into DD right now, um, mm. I'd be curious to know if it was kind of like he was the quote unquote character who's just making all the bad roles. Like, oh. I'm going to be really cool and do this and complete failure. Yeah. And then later on, he nearly drowns in the moat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With easy remove armor. Yeah. <laughs> Just a click and it's gone. Bye today. But before that, 
he gets a new suit made by Hoist, which is pretty cool because it has kind of this yellow stripe, which kind of looks like, uh, you know, his trademark big yellow boots. And he gets this really cool shield with an Autobot symbol on it. Where'd they have time to make that? Well, Ho- Hoist is a, he, he's an artist. He, he's, he's a he's a metal worker. Does he have a stamp, though? I, I don't is know. He, like very precise. Like, here, let me just. Do you think he just excretes paint through his Autobot insignia and then just presses something onto it? Yeah, like, figure something out. Let's just say he took yeah. a laser and engraved it. I do like how as soon as he's done, he kind of puts the armor in like a horse trough and then immediately gives it to Spike. Is Spike like, ah! <laughs> <Here you go. laughs> it's burning my skin! <laughs> or, or not like, it's very wet. Great. It's like, yeah. Filled with horse slobber. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. like compute quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A uh, quick question about hoist. Sure. Is his design supposed to look like those old, um, those old medieval like round pants with the tights? No. But no. Now that you mention it. Right. It just, in some of those scenes where he's walking, it's like his orange bits kind of look like those really kind of round circular pants that you see sometimes in like medieval uh like yeah i know what you mean store or um bards or stuff like that yeah Plus, like, no with his accent and everything i was like is is he supposed to look like this <laughs> I, I i think i think maybe because he's been in previous episodes and that is his design uh but yeah maybe they chose him you know, when you have Autobots, you have a, a cast of hundreds. Mm-hmm. So maybe since it is a um, only two of them through the whole episode, uh, maybe they did make a choice. I'm not sure. And Spike just loses like a chump in the joust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I even like how it's off camera. Like you just kind of see her wince. Yeah, and then go, he's go. Oh. holding on to the <laughs> horse's tail. Like, at least I hung on to my horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sir Aethling and oh, I keep forgetting uh, Wygand. Wygand. Um, they're not satisfied with this jousting tournament. They're going to have a, a um, more of a a competition. They reveal Ramjet and Rumble, and Rumble gets on top of Ramjet, with, and he has a shield with a symbol, <laughs> and just starts he- head- heading in, and then um. Aethling goes up on Warpath. Yes. And I like how Hoist kind of like kind of hooks him and kind of. They did with Spike up too. Up you go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Some executive went. Uh, we should have Hoist do something here. He should. <laughs> we we can't lose Hoist. Put put use Hoist to get the uh, um to get the Red Knight on top of Warpath. Warpath and Ramjet just just go full full speed at each other and Conehead is Conehead no longer. Yeah, Warpath <laughs> just crushes the front of uh Ramjet. And a really cool detail, you see his cockpit shatter too. Cuz Rumble f- tumbles back into it and his legs are sticking up, but like you see the sh- the shattered glass glass pieces fly. It's so it's a cool shattered glass. <laughs> And Starscream has had enough of this foolishness, so he he just picks up uh, Nimue, transforms, and and this is where we start seeing how both Autobots and Decepticons are 
they're like losing their energy so they can't kind of do everything they're usually meant to do so starscream oh, just reminds me of desertion <laughs> of the dinobots yeah so starscream just just throws nimue in his cockpit and drives off <laughs> and we go to commercial one <laughs> i'm really glad they explained it after the commercial break because i was very confused why starscream just kept driving yeah i was like fly you fool fly yeah well, that's the best way to flee a scene you roll well it's a cool <laughs> shot because you see him uh he's being chased on by horses and then hoist and warpath and they just they just run into each other which i think was meant to also <laughs> show that they're losing power oh uh real quick about those horses following um starscream mm-hmm. I think it's like like 1001 I had to pause for a moment and take a breather because I was laughing so hard at the size difference between these horses and these adult men and uh, how the animation cells are clearly just not lined up correctly for perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The 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 white the white horse, not totally white. Yeah. He's supposed to be in the background, oh. but, but his hooves are, are- very much in the foreground. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, this is why we had you on the show. These little animation details. <laughs> so that's why I look so wrong. <laughs> I, I didn't I, notice a thing. I I have noticed immediately because that's one of the big that's one of the big things too that being a revisionist you have to keep your eye out oh. for is like perspective and and size relations and stuff like that. So I noticed this immediately and had to stop for a good five minutes because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably even just like probably even just like layers. Is that mm-hmm. is that a, a common issue? Uh, not not so much anymore. Like layers are, uh, uh, yeah, layers are still kind of an issue, but not as much as as it was with the. 2d animation from the 80s and everything else where it's like Mm -hmm. because you have to take an individual photo and you're flipping through pages of cells and 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 everything it's like a hundred percent i'm sure it was just a small little error but oh boy is it funny (laughs) speaking of animation there's this really cool shot of starscream trying to take off Mm -hmm. uh and like this fully animated background and he's just kind of bouncing around thought that looked really cool. Yeah, that one, that was definitely one of those scenes where they, someone had fun animating that. Yes. Yeah, with this studio, there's maybe like one or two shots where they really get into the background. Um, One time there was like a missile fired down a hallway and like it tracked (gasps) the entire way. (laughs) Ooh, I bet that was cool. Mm Mm-hmm. That's in the episode Auto Berserk. But then as Starscream gets away... And Hoist and Warpath are just kind of laying on top of each other. We see an owl observing all of the action. And the owl flies back to a uh, a wizard. The, Merlin, the most wizard-looking wizard. A regular <laughs> wizard told me not a guy named Merlin. It's he not. Owl rat tails for some reason. Here, have here have this hairstyle. Here, have this horrible hairstyle. Oh, I mean rat tails. Yeah, he feeds... <laughs> The wizard feeds the owl rat tails. Now, the wizard, they don't name him until almost the very end of the episode, but his name is Bjorth. If I have that right? I'm going to take your word for it, because, again, 
they were very quick with this with this whole episode. Yeah. So I probably missed that. <laughs> Philosophical quotes and cool walking shots. Well, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, he just kind of gets filled in and then uh and then he yeah, he walks off and this other yeah, again a really weird shot with kind of the the grass moving and he's kind of walking into the background. It's <laughs> It's know, really just, weird. There's just something weird about it. It, yeah, I, I think it's like the style of the background just doesn't match a lot of the other stuff that they did. So it was like very, very odd. Well, with this episode, it, it definitely um, almost has like no stock backgrounds uh, from what a typical Transformers episode would usually have and um, desert. Oh yeah. Oh, usually yeah. In the, in the desert or the arc and stuff like that. This is, this is almost a hundred percent new backgrounds, especially with all the castle work and everything. Yeah. I, I know you guys do ratings, so I'm going to save my comments for the ratings at the very end, sure. but uh, I definitely was because again, working in production and for animation for five years, I just was like this, this episode was probably insane to try to make and plan for. So more on that later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, so we're back at the, uh, Wygans castle where Starscream is already, he, he kind of, this gets high and falls from a ledge. Yeah. This little character bit where he kind of reaches over the wall and declares that this is his castle. And then he just falls. <laughs> this is my castle. <laughs> it seems like a move that a cat would make. Like, yeah, hey, this yeah. is my castle. So Starscream is offered a treasure chest full of gold. That's uh, the guy's grandma's. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah. He, he crushes in his hand and he starts making spaghetti. Uh, gold wire. Yeah, it looks he like starts spaghetti. making spaghetti. It's a literal handheld spaghetti maker. But then he <laughs> instantly makes it into a electric dynamo. And... <laughs> Which he instantly makes the the humans uh, work. They're kind of pushing the log to to generate uh, enough electricity to kind of repower them a little bit. Uh, Starscream hogs it from Ravage and Rumble. I mean, of course he's more important. He's <laughs> almighty and powerful Starscream, isn't he? Yeah. He's going to conquer this world at this time. Yeah, I like how earlier earlier on he like kind of figures out how many years he has to take over the world <laughs> before <laughs> he catches up with modern time. Mm -hmm. I will say uh, this was the effects portion that I just absolutely loved. I don't know what it was with the sparkles and everything and the electricity oh, yeah. effects. I'm just I just always love that uh, 80s animation, 80s and 90s animation that had this this glittery glitter. stuff because I'm just like, it's so pretty. It's so pretty. And then we go back to the other castle and uh, Spike is kind of forlorn. So Spike leaves on the horse and then we go back to the other castle and Starscream is still <laughs> charging up. And uh, then he does he order uh, the other guys to start collecting um, potassium nitrate? I sort of recognize that as like sulfur potassium nitrate. Isn't that something like and I saw that the bird poop like Oh, they're making bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Stone, thanks for teaching me that. Now I know how to survive in the wild. Yeah. In the, well, we read the manga of Dr. Stone. It's also an anime. But yeah, they, they heavily rely on potassium nitrate and other stuff. To, it, well, that, that's more for um, the revitalizing fluid, right? 
Yeah, but they also made gunpowder ones. Right. The beginning of the story. Yeah. So a bird poops on Starscream's head. How big is his head and how much bird poop is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of size relations. Ew. <laughs> it's a big bird. And then uh, Wygan goes up to the tower where uh, Nimue is being held. She throws a chair at him and they, they start <laughs> they start tumbling in the hay and kind of instantly fall in love, which is a kind of a twist. Um, I wasn't I forgot about that. Mm hmm. And meanwhile, Spike is climbing up the side of the tower. Is that the heavy of armor? <laughs> well, Spike climbs up. He he sees them, and then he falls off the tower into the moat. And there's a shot where he's at he's at the bottom, and he yeah, like we said this before, but he it looks like he's nearly gonna drown. I wonder why. I wonder why. And they just breaks free of his armor. <laughs> yeah, his yeah his armor quick is, free armor. Right. <laughs> We need a change. And, and then fast. he's nearly crushed by the by the drawbridge as uh, <laughs> Rumble returns with <laughs> now uh, standards and practices. They they got away with all that bird poop covering uh, a character. Poop is not an issue at all in animation. Oh, OK. <laughs> they don't they don't care. It's like. Uh, like, I, I know my friend, some of my friends are working on like shows and they just gags like this are hilarious for okay some folks in animation so even yeah. as a bird on him he made a friend <laughs> i would like that to be me i love birds <laughs> lots of bird poop on you you have a little pooping buddy huh? <laughs> when when a bird when a new bird is perching on your arm you're supposed to give them a used towel wherever they're sitting oh so but if they What's poop on do? you that then you can collect it and make gunpowder you use in a giant the, stirring pot. Yeah. They're supposed to sit on the used towel that's hanging over your arms. So that when if they have a, an accident, they it's on the towel. Oh, then you can use the towel to make the gunpowder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah. You just pour it into the big cauldron. I was gonna say, <laughs> and you can wrap all the other ingredients in it, whip it around, and then throw it. Yeah. Why is it in a cauldron? I feel like that's bound to explode any minute. Well, it's, you know, castle stuff. Castle stuff has to have a cauldron. Yeah. And then Spike climbs up the tower again, sopping wet. And then uh, in the time it took him, it took him to climb the tower, uh, Wygand and Nimue are engaged. We're getting married. <laughs> and Spike Wait, what? just kind of goes like, wah, wah. <laughs> You have a girlfriend. Serves you right. <laughs> she uh, fell for the guy's 80s stash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 580s. <laughs> hey. And now we get to the battle scene with this really cool shot where the army's advancing on the castle and then we have kind of Hoist and the Red Knight looking over uh, on top of a cliff and it keeps panning and then Warpath is there with some with some knights. Warpath pulls up a tree After as his it weapon. a bit more. Because he, he can't fire anymore, right? He doesn't have enough energy. Nope. Can't even transform. Right. And then, uh, and then the 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 siege is underway. Um, hey. Starscream starts launching bombs, which take out <laughs> the advancing army's uh, equipment quite easily. Even the towers, which yeah, are essential. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was our tower to climb, right? 
And then Ramjet's going all Donkey Kong and just throwing barrels from the top. Yep. And <laughs> Hoist acts as a bridge <laughs> with all the knights running over him. Rumble starts just punching pieces of the castle and, <laughs> down on them. And believe me, he has a history of rocks from ledges. <laughs> he's caused several earthquakes, landslides, and he's been fooled by a moving rock and footprints. Uh, so true. that's just his MO then. Yep. <laughs> and then and then Wolf. Wolf was the guy that gave Starscream the, the chest of gold. He he um he senses Wygant's treachery, pick, just picks him up and body slams him over the wall into the moat. Again, so much has happened in, in like a minute of action. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still impressed with all their horses. That was a lot of horses in that battle scene. Spike brings a chair to a sword fight, but then Nimue knocks out Wolf with a, another piece of furniture. Don't bring a table, bring a stool. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just did a whole wrestling move there. And yep. it's Nimue with the steel chair. <laughs> I don't know. The wooden I'm... chair. <laughs> uh, and then the Red Knights forces, uh, they, they climb up hoist arm. Uh, Warpath tries the same, but just knocks him over. Uh, Ramjet fights Warpath with with uh, two tree logs. Warpath gets knocked over, falls back on Hoist. Hoist not having a good time right now. He's crying out for energy. Give me some of that Gatorade, please. <laughs> yeah. And we go to commercial two with, with this is probably like the the most frequent uh, commercial break piece of action where it's Ravage running after Spike. Even more Spike yelling. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna crash. Heather, if you watch other episodes, Spike is constantly being chased by Ravage. Like just constantly. <laughs> like I I I would I would just quit. I would just go live somewhere <laughs> else because no matter what you have this giant robotic robotic panther chasing after him. That's it. That, I'm gonna that must have been yeah. an inside joke then. Like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, it's going to be a great, a great uh, joke right now. Uh, Ravage going after Spike again. Let's do that. So we come back from commercial two and uh, Ravage is, is about to uh, get Spike. But then the owl, the wizard's owl comes down and um, like a good cat swipes at the bird and gets distracted. Albert, what are you doing? And then we get. You know, the, the wizard looking like an 80s heavy metal cover. Um, he agrees to help out Warpath and Hoist by just um, calling the forces of nature. A god. So again, uh, a D and D side note here. Um, watching through it the second time, I was like, "Oh, he's the cleric." Mm -hmm. <laughs> he comes in, calls to the sky god for help, and vada bing, vada boom. There's lightning. To help yeah. kill your, your party. He's <laughs> like, oh, it's the cleric coming Whoa. in clutch. Mm -hmm. As as Starscream uh, argues for science. <laughs> but then this <laughs> wizard's just uh, wind and lightning. This and, is alchemy and heavy praying. Yeah, right. I love the detail <laughs> in the wizard looking. He's you know, he's got these long fingernails. He has pouches. He has pouches with like uh, like them. twigs and berries. Uh, oh, what is he doing with those leaves? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, mm. And he essentially calls down the power of lightning to strike Warpath and Hoist, and they get they get recharged by, by the power of 
wizardry. <laughs> no, the sky gods. And then this, what, what happens here where he drops his staff and he kind of grabs his hand? Like, did this hurt him? Or did he like, give him the, do you I see what know. I mean? Hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, the lightning strikes his staff and then he directs the lightning to the Autobots. And then afterward, he drops it and kind of like grabs his hand. I wonder if it is supposed to, like, while he, because um, at the very end, I don't want to give spoilers away before <laughs> we get to the end of the episode, but mm-hmm. um, I think it must have been just because it's like actual lightning that streaked through yeah, the I staff think so. and everything. Because um, it kind of, it hints at uh, the connection between science and magic, that magic is just sure. science, maybe. Mm-hmm. Also, it might just burn since lightning just struck that staff. Could be. It's just a, it was just a little detail. I was like, well, that, that's interesting. But what does it mean? Yeah. What does it mean? So, probably means that the animator had a few extra frames he could draw. <laughs> he, had, he had some time. <laughs> No one's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the fully powered warpath and hoist uh just just drive right through the castle wall. They jump the moat, uh, land on Starscream, uh hoist grabs uh this uh, kind of mobile dynamo with with uh, rumbles caught in it too. And he he just uh spins around and flings them into Starscream, it explodes. That's the end of that. <laughs> Then Sir Wygand, the, uh, he, he picks up a nice little connection. He picks up a piece of the, the gold wire Starscream made and uh, bends it into a, an engagement ring for Nimue. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Just what she's always wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spike kind of goes like, oh, again, forgetting about his MIT graduate girlfriend. New, new time, new me. yeah that doesn't mean your relationship what happens in the 6th century stays in the 6th century this is technically (laughs) before I had a girlfriend right so (laughs) you're right you're right so I kind of like this where the Autobots and Decepticons are just kind of resigned you know they're they're done fighting they just kind of want a way out (laughs) and uh, Bjorf the wizard he's like oh time travel I think I know where to go. So he takes him back to where uh, where we, the episode began at the Dragon Mound. Oh. Yeah, so the wizard explains that he he was building this time portal, but then a dragon set up shop there. And then we get one of the most hilarious lines explaining why he's not there. Yeah, the wizard says, "Well, the dragon's not here. He must be visiting his relatives." <laughs> yeah. That was another spot where I had to stop for a good five minutes because that was hilarious. But the dragon's back and we see a very 80s looking dragon. Uh, oh, yes, again, this, album cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this could be right at home uh, with uh, on a Dio cover. And uh, so then the wizard throws Warpath a um, bag of, he calls it Dragon's Bane. But it is actually gunpowder. Wait, that's just a bomb. Yep. It's a it's a bomb and it draws away the uh, the dragon. Get dragon's bane at your local apothecary. The dragon flies away. Yeah, they high five. Secret handshake. Yeah, thing. they mm-hmm. 
Slap up, slap down, slap up, slap down. <laughs> and then the, the wizard wishes them Godspeed to them all, and they start making their way back through the portal. And we go back to the, the, the fog-drenched atmosphere of, I'm assuming, England? I don't know. They never say. And they're met with instant gunfire from Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> I, it tickled me how excited Starscream was to go back to Megatron. Yeah, because he's always, even as he's always trying to take Megatron's job. (laughs) He's just like, surely you missed us? Yeah, he he leaps at him and tackles him to the ground for a hug. Aww. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Soundwave must be jealous. Yeah. Soundwave's just like... (sighs) Spike and the Autobots get away, and then it, it just ends with a frustrated Megatron. Like, what's the matter? Aren't you happy to see us? Yep, and he just he just clenches his fists, <laughs> yells into the sky, and we fade to black. And that's the end of the, of the episode. That's the end of uh, the Septicon Raider in King Arthur's Court. No King Arthur. The, the sort of Decepticon Raider. Somewhat of a court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like, boy. No King, yeah, no King Arthur. The, the wizard wasn't Merlin. Yeah. I love this episode. I mean, they're all public domain, right? They could have used it, but... I mean, they use Star Wars sound effects in the in this show constantly, so what's using uh, King Arthur's name? All right. So, Heather, as our guest, and as you've listened to previous episodes, thank you very much, um, we rate the episode 1 out of 10 Energon Cubes. So, uh, if you would like to go first, what did you think of a Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court? Uh, I'm going to give this the highest of ratings, 10 out of 10. <laughs> it, it was, it felt like a whole movie in 22 minutes with how much happens. Um, plus, as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, and, and we mentioned, there's so many new backgrounds and characters and yeah. incidentals horses. and horses, so many horses that I just have to give them full marks for all of the work that i'm sure went into this because mm-hmm. that's a lot for an animation episode for a single animation episode that they will probably never revisit again i'm assuming it's interesting and we should keep an eye uh, on this kids because they, they there are future episodes that have more of a forest-like setting i don't know if they ever get back to a castle but Maybe they'll use some of uh, the stuff in the like the first third of this episode, because yeah, I can't imagine them making all these beautiful paintings for just like a one-off <laughs> episode. We need to find a way to get them back in the medieval times. They find another time machine <laughs> or a dragon it, it, mound. It totally happens though, where there will be one episode in in any show that you go visit someplace cool, and then it's like, and we'll never visit there again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah yeah <laughs> on the on the ghost and molly mcgee um there's an episode that aired where the dad and his son are cleaning the basement and they see this like weird door in the wall um and they're trying to figure out what's behind that door and so one of like the kid imagines this whole centipede world and oh um our line producer kept kept going so when are we going back to centipede world 
Oh, no. Every every time we had like a pitch or anything, she just kept bringing that up. Like, so centipede world because <laughs> it takes a lot of it, it. It's like you have to design the backgrounds and the characters and oh, yeah. um and animate all of that. So it's just kind of like, yeah, doing one off episodes like this is a lot of time and money and and hard work for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So again, ten out of ten. All right. Same with like. Shows with Gravity Falls, Amphibia, Owl House, they even have locations like that even more often, I think. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, just visiting this place, like, are you going to see that again? No. <laughs> Those are some cool backgrounds, though. <laughs> and anyway, my rating? Yeah, Nine out of ten. I do not give it full marks because, like, I think some stuff was kind of weird. But it was a very, very good episode. Awesome. It felt funny <laughs> at some points. It was rather lighthearted. Yeah. Quirky. And poop joke. That's oh. actually really a good poop joke. <laughs> yeah, right, right. This is no minion level humor. <laughs> <laughs> Elsa, what did you think? Nine out of ten. Um, because I'm mad at Spike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Also, because my favorite part in the episode w- was at the very end when when Starscream's just like Megatron, we're back, and the Megatron's just like, "Oh, <laughs> you again? I was finally getting to know." Sorry. Yeah, I thought that epilepsy-inducing cave finished you off for good. No. Yeah. <laughs> Starscream always comes back. <laughs> Don't spoil it. I won't. Uh, yes, I I will. I will also go. I will go nine out of ten. Um, it's been a while since I've watched this, and I I think as a kid, you know, like knights and stuff, like was not my thing. That, that's why I was watching a show with giant robots with guns. So maybe when this episode comes up, I I would be like, eh, I don't know. But watching again, yeah, it's so quirky and weird and like completely different than what we've seen before um even right down to you know this is right in the heart of their popularity and they need to sell as many toys as possible these are essentially commercials for their toys and they had two autobots the whole show it's like sometimes they daring. just they just pack them in yeah that was it, daring it was yeah because this was definitely more of a of a character episode e- even with warpath whose character is just i want to blow things up and yell bam i just want to blam blow things up pal yeah and 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 uh hoist too who's you know never the most exciting guy but i i have a soft spot for him yeah this episode really helps helps empathize with those characters that you would not see a lot of in other episodes. So, okay. So, uh, boy, I'm exhausted. This is <laughs> such a crazy episode. So Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Um, is there anything you want to recommend? If we if, like any, what are you watching? Uh, cartoon wise? Oh goodness. Uh, uh, and you you ask this question every every episode, <laughs> and I should have prepped for this. Um, I actually just watched a movie on Netflix called Apollo Ten and a Half. 
And that was hmm. really fascinating to watch. It's um, it's about a kid growing up in the 1960s during like the moon landings and stuff. Um, it, I think it was rotoscoped. So they did animation over top of live action. Um, oh. And it just it's just a very artsy kind of film that was really fun. Um, I do need to catch up on Amphibia and Owl House because I know <laughs> those are are real popular right now. But we're mm. almost done with Amphibia. We just started Owl House. We're waiting yeah. for them to put up more Amphibia on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, just because I worked on the show, I'm also going to plug The Ghost in Molly McGee. It's very, very funny. Very fun. I've heard good things. I've heard good things about that. So this is also a plug for me too. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> where, where, where can we, where can we watch it? Uh, Disney, Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus. It airs, and then it usually airs on Disney Channel, and then they will also um, add it to Disney Plus. Great. And then uh, Earth Spark, like you said, is coming out later this year. Later this year, I don't remember ah. when. Okay. Well, Emmett, Emmett can work as your as your press agent. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Emmett. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Here's all start for a conversation. So, you like Amphibia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, from what I have watched, yes, it's really fun. I I, I need about to, to watch name it. my favorite characters, but I don't know how far you are, so I'm not going to say it. Okay. But, well, who's your favorite? Just one question: Who's your favorite so far? Who's my favorite so far? Um, yes. I love I love Sprig. He's so Say. he's just so charming. Uh, Hot Pop is also hilarious. <laughs> I just I don't know. It's like growing up, I, I would not have enjoyed Hot Pop as much. I would have been like, oh, it's the old it's the old frog. But now I have appreciation for for being older and <laughs> and kind of done with the world. <laughs> but um. Oh, I am in pain. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Voiced by Bill Farmer, I think. Well, kids, you've done it again. You've turned this Transformers episode into an amphibia episode. Start your own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right. Okay, once again, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we will look forward to Earthspark in the fall. And uh, we hope everyone will come back and listen to us next week for an all-new One More Prime. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.